Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Brad Cornell, Hope for Heroes Bernie Podcast. You joined at the right time where we help those who help us. Go to HopeForHeroesBernie.org. Check it out. We bring our first responders in from around the country, Austin, San Antonio. We put them in a beautiful hotel, give them a 400 hour gift card, and just take care of them for a weekend. Let them enjoy themselves. Don't miss this edition of Hope for Heroes Bernie. This man built his kingdom in Queens, New York. He made a fortune selling cocaine with his brothers up and down the eastern seaboard. He had apartments around the city for his mistresses and a home in the Poconos for his beautiful nuclear family. But when he and his brothers were busted in a large-scale crackdown, his kingdom crumbled, ready to kill himself rather than live behind bars. My guest today came face-to-face with the all-consuming love of Jesus Christ, and he would never be the same, and neither would the people that are around him. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor and a blessing. And you, this story, you are going to get this book. You're going to want to get this book, get your people around the radio, and you are going to want to make sure you do not you do not miss getting this book of his because it is incredible. Help me welcome to His Glory Ministries today, Pastor Herman Mendoza. Welcome, sir. Brad, thank you for having me on. What an honor. Well, thank you for being on. And oh my gosh, what a story. The book, ladies and gentlemen, is called Shifting Shadows, How a New York drug lord found freedom in the last place he expected. And I'll tell you, oh, Mr. Mendoza, Pastor, you are amazing and your story is amazing. And I'm so excited to have you on here today. And let's just talk about, oh my, of course, the book is incredible. Yes. Yes. You know, uh, I wrote this book. uh, It took me about four and a half years uh, to write it. Um, And as I was traveling around the world with the church that I'm currently involved in, I'm an associate pastor and um, also a director of a children's ministry uh, dubbed um, Powerhouse Kids. And pretty much is basically to train uh, children and teenagers from the ages of four to 14 uh, to become the leaders of tomorrow. Uh, followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, as you were, you know, sharing my introduction about my past, um, you know, I, I just I just want young people and children uh, to know that, you know, through Christ, uh, we're strengthened. Through Christ, we have answers. We have solutions. Uh, unfortunately, as a teenager, I wasn't reached. And that took me down to a path of destruction, uh, gangs and drugs, uh, prison, and eventually, uh, in my adult life, uh, when I was 21 years old, I was arrested with 31 kilos of cocaine and sent to prison and uh, tried to negotiate with God, uh, say, you know, help me get out of the situation. I promise you, I'm not going to drink alcohol for six months. I mean, ignorance on my part, <laughs> instead of having conviction, you know, like saying to God, forgive me for all the wrongs and all the poison that I'm distributing across America and in the Eastern Seaboard. Um, but no, it was more about myself. It was more about getting out of jail. And eventually, you know, did my time, was released. Uh, and when I got released, um, I went, uh, you know, made this promise of not drinking alcohol for six months. And when that six-month period was uh, over, my sobriety uh, time, you know, uh, came to an end. I went to a restaurant to celebrate. And I was with a, a friend. Uh, and I came across uh, an old acquaintance that I had run into uh, in my years before dealing. Uh, now he had a position within the cartel. He was the second in command of a particular cartel out of Colombia. And he was controlling over a ton of cocaine. And he told me, you know, hey, what's up? When, when did you get out? And I explained, you know, I got out recently. And 
Um, and he said, look, if you want to get back into this business, let me know. Uh, and so, you know, you could only imagine, Brad, what was going through my mind. I was like 24, 23 at the time uh, and thinking, no, I'm not, you know, going to do it. My conscience and then my heart is like, you know, also, you know, fighting with my conscience. And I eventually relented and, and uh, gave in, you know. Ooh. I, I, let me ask I, let me ask you a quick question. Let's go back a little bit. Now, when did you really start? When did you really get into drugs? It was 13, 14 years old or? Yeah, when? it was uh, 13. I was a th- 13 years old. Um, you know, my, my, my parents are from the Dominican Republic. Uh, I was born in, in Queens, New York, um, and raised in a community that was predominantly Hispanic. Um, but, you know, it was, it was a rough, you know, neighborhood. It was a lot of gangs initiating at that time back in the, early 80s um you know um and so i was sort of attracted to that lifestyle because it was so prevalent in our in our community and a lot of the kids were joining gangs and i wanted to be this tough kid in the block you know and and experiment and so the very first drug that it was presented to me was marijuana and i started to use marijuana and then eventually was using uh more you know, hard, harder, hard drugs. Hey, let me ask you that question. I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to make sure our listeners understand because there's a lot of people, of parents living with, you know, having kids listening. And really this is, do you, do you believe that the marijuana led to more cocaine? Cause you see everybody doing marijuana. Oh, it won't hurt anything. It won't go any further. I do believe that, uh, uh, marijuana is, uh, regardless of what people say, uh, it's a drug, it's a substance and it's going to alter your thinking. Uh, just like, uh, alcohol, you know, and other substances. And so I, that became sort of uh, a way to, or a, a way in to experiment with, you know, hardcore drugs and eventually yeah. w- was introduced to cocaine. And when I started that, snoring cocaine, um, it became an addiction. And I was offered, you know, to sell small quantities of drugs when I was like 13, 14 years of age until. I got busted, but it wasn't because of drugs. I got busted for robbery and eventually sent to the Dominican Republic uh, to straighten my act out. My parents concocted a plan to send me over there with my grandparents. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. My parents did that to me, but they sent me to Nebraska. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. that didn't work. It, it didn't work out very well either. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and they tried to, you know, they put me in a private school thinking that would shape me and uh, reform me. Uh, you know, little did they, they know that what I needed was Jesus. And we, I didn't know at the time. And so I w- became a nuisance to my grandparents and eventually uh, was expelled from this private school and sent back to the States. Um, and when I came back to the States, um, you know, I had met my, my wife in the Dominican Republic uh, and she came to the States and, and we met again in the United States Um so right out of high school, I decided to get married. And my, my, my mom was like, you know, you're so young. I'm like, I said, mom, you know, I'm in love. You know, we're Hispanic Americans. We, we, we do this young, you know. And uh, so eventually uh, I went and, you know, I was working and supporting uh, my family. And I, my wife and I had our first child. Um, and my brothers, my two oldest brothers, my second oldest brother and my fourth oldest brother were involved in the sales of narcotics. And so I was introduced once again 
to that world and I was seeing them driving $150,000 vehicles. Ooh, yes. Uh, p- possession and party life. Did you see a lot and of did you see a lot of cash? I saw a lot of cash and I was invited to his apartment, this one of the stash houses and I, when I went there, uh I counted the money and it was about 1.2 million cash on the dresser uh and the, the TV was, you know, full volume to muffle the sound of the counting machines. Right after that, uh, Brad, you can only imagine or not imagine, <laughs> but for me to, you know, have all that money going through my hands. Oh, yes. And, and I was rewarded about $10,000. And from there, I was just hooked. Gosh, and, yes. I want you to know something real quick, folks. This isn't your local drug dealer. He's big. He was he was big. And a kilo, I don't know if you know of a kilo of cocaine is 2.2 pounds. It's not like it's a little bit you can stick in your front pocket in a little baggie. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. So I just the 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 amount of one point two million dollars. Now, how old were you when you saw that kind of cash? Okay, at the first time, the first involvement with my brothers, I was twenty one years old. Oh my word! Yeah, then when I got arrested, uh, you know, I was like 23, 22, 23 years old. And then once I did my time, and again, I was as explained in the beginning, I was uh, I did my time. I was released. I made that promise to God. Yes, uh, I re-engage once again in this behavior and it reminds me of a scripture that's found in the book of proverbs chapter 26 verse 11 where it says a dog returns uh to his vomit so it fool repeats their folly and that's what happened to me i I went right back into that behavior into that sin of selling drugs and, and distributing drugs once again hundreds and hundreds of kilos of cocaine and i thought i was on top of the world i had you know millions of dollars crashing through my hand and possessions and um you know clubbing and partying and being unfaithful to my wife and thinking you know this is life you know this is life uh oh, but wow. always empty always empty trying you to never went to the you home. never went to the coco cabana did you yes oh, oh yeah. my gosh oh yeah uh the vip lounge in the copacabana i was uh attending the palladium and uh china club celebrities all, you know yeah celebrities and hanging out until eventually I was arrested uh, for uh, conspiracy uh, of over 300 kilos of cocaine. And, and they confiscated um, 11 kilos of cocaine. <laughs> and this was now a federal indictment where one of my brother's co- uh, client uh, owned the trucking company. And he had comp- a, a compartment, building compartment within the trailer where he housed the, the narcotics, the drugs. And it was a secret um, compartment. They call it traps. Uh, and, um, you know, I was uh, arrested and facing, again, you know, life in 25 years to life in prison. Eventually, I was bailed out half a million dollars. My second oldest brother wasn't bailed out because the fourth oldest was still incarcerated from the first rap of the 31 kilos of cocaine. And when I was out in the streets trying to find some kind of way out of my situation, I, I spoke to my attorney. He said, look, you're facing, you know, a lot of time. And that really, you know, put me in a position where I was like, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm jumping bail. So I jumped bail. I didn't go to my court appearance. And one night of partying, I went home to visit my, my wife and kids. I had three kids at that time. I, I mean, I still have three kids, but they're adults now. Yeah. Um, and um, so the very next day, as I entered this private community where I lived at, uh, my wife picks up the handset. It was the state police, um, marshals, DEA agents, and local police officers. 
And they, they called my home and my wife picks up the phone and, and they said, look, we have your house surrounded. Tell your husband to give himself in. I try to jump out the window. I go back in. And I'm like, it's over. I told my wife, open the door. And so they arrested me, hauled me to the adjacent vehicle there. And on the way to uh, prison, I told the marshals, open the door. I want to end my life right here. It's worth nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, little did I know that my brother, my second, uh, my, my second oldest brother, the one that caught me in the, in the federal rap, he surrendered his life to Christ. And he was praying for my salvation and praying that God will send me to prison, to the same prison cell where he was at, so I can hear the gospel. Oh, share this great message. Praise God. And I had no idea because I had no communication with my family members. I had no communication with, with that particular brother. And little did I know he was praying for me and God would have it no other way that it would take this prayer in this extreme uh, that God will answer his prayer. And they would send me to the same facility and the same dormitory where he was housed. Oh my and when Lord. he saw me, he extended his hand. He said, praise the Lord, praise <laughs> God, answer prayer. And I look at him and I said, are you crazy? What's <laughs> that word jail? <laughs> I know. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, praise God. I told him, we're in jail, man. So I didn't understand this new language. His countenance was different. He had a glow in his face. Oh, wow. And my case took a turn for the worse. My wife left me. I was depressed, isolated, confined in this area, um, you know, with other inmates that are, you know, again, facing life in prison, those that were extradited from Colombia and high profile names that were incarcerated with us there. And one day, my brother said, look, what you need is Jesus. Once you come to the uh, chapel, and as I was as I was making my way there, um, I was having this conversation with God. I said, look, I just want peace. I'm so depressed, filled this void. I'm going crazy in jail, you know? And I sat, to, you know, in the back of this chapel. And when I sat in the back of the chapel, uh, I was, you know, sort of skeptical and kind of listening to this jailhouse preacher. And he was talking about, the very same things that I was dealing with and kind of talking to God about, about, you know, brokenness, about uh, that we're sinners in, in need of a savior that, you know, that God, that Jesus can give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And I was like, this is, this is, I need this. And he said, there's someone here. And there was about 60 inmates. He said, someone here that has been chasing after things. And all these things that he's been chasing after, it has been a, a, a dead end. It has led him to a dead end street. And what he needs is God. He needs is Jesus. And I knew it was for me, Brad. Oh. And I, he said, come to the front. I'm going to pray for you. And I came to the front of this uh, chapel. And I extended my hand. I started to cry. And, and, and the Holy Spirit just took hold of me. Oh, and I God. said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And I felt convicted for the very first time of all the wrongs of all the poison that I was spewing out into society, uh, destroying lives. And I wanted to make amends with my wife, with my mom, with my children, with even the people that I've never met, that I wanted to say, I'm sorry. You know, I never met you in the streets, you know, people that I was, that I was selling drugs to because I was in a different position, different level. So I wasn't seeing, you know, the yeah. lives that were being destroyed, people killing each other for drugs, you know? Oh yeah. And, and man, God took you know hold of my heart, and I contacted my mom, and I said, "Look, mom, I'm a new man in Christ." Mm-hmm. 
Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me today on Hope for Heroes. We'll be back in just a minute with our guest, but I want you to check out HopeForHeroesBurney.org. We're changing lives on a weekly basis, and thank you for being part of it. But God took a hold of me, and I just started to, you know, immense myself in Scripture and learn more about God. And I applied for a, a Bible Institute with the Assemblies of God, and I started to grow more in, in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And eventually, my brother and I became the pastors of this chapel. <laughs> wow. And it started to grow. Yeah, I started to grow and grow and grow. And we were reaching different organizations, local ministers and, and you know, well-known established organizations like the Billy Graham organization. And they started to send us Bibles, uh, the American Bible Society. Uh, and it was just, we, we started to, you know, learn more about ministry. And we started to evangelize this particular chapel. And we started to train uh, uh, members of our church. Wow. And they became the deacons. And as the inmates were into the chapel, they would give them a Bible, uh, some food, and, and they would tell them, listen, we have chapel services at the end, at the back of the uh, day room. Come check us out. The Mendoza brothers, uh, they're ministering the, you know, the word of God. We're here for you. Oh, so you know, I just love, I love the word, the Mendoza brothers. That's, <laughs> I want to go to Mendoza brothers church. Now folks, exactly. <laughs> let me just real quick here, folks. If you just joined us, I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this. You don't want, you've got to get this book of Herman Mendoza shifting shadows, how a drug New York drug lord found freedom in the last place he expected. Now look at, you know, this is an amazing story and I'm not even, I'm just touching. It's just a tip of the iceberg. You've got to get this book, but I want to ask you a couple of quick questions and just kind of sure. digress just a little bit because man, you've, you've answered some questions that are so serious that, that people don't understand. Number one, your, your mind can be seared where it's just Satan doing the talking and you're not even, when you're not even feel bad about anything, you just don't right. even care. You know, that's why Jesus opens up your mind. But then marijuana leads to more, you know, worse things, of course. But let me ask you a quick question. Herman, did, was your dad, because we have such fatherless homes now, was your dad involved with you? Did he take you aside and go, hey, boys, or was he involved in your life at all? That's a very good question. Uh, my dad, um, you know, fortunately, uh, he was only home probably twice Mm. Um, out of the week, yeah, you know, for two days out of the week. And so I didn't have a lot of father presence at home. Yeah. So my oldest brother became sort of that, uh, you know, that father figure. Uh, and my dad at during those times, he was, you know, Protestant and he was, uh, he was serving the Lord, but then he left the church, mm. uh, and he was in dealing with his own sin and his own yeah. adulterous, uh, behavior and sinful acts. And, uh, but, you know, and after I became a Christian and I was released from prison, you know, he reconciled with God and with my mom and, uh, and, and he was just, you know, a prayer warrior. Oh, great. Uh, you know, I thank God for that. But yes, there's a lot of homes, unfortunately, they, 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 there's no father, fatherless homes. And, you know, fathers play an important role uh, to educate their children, to be that, you know, that head of the household, as the scripture yes. says. And to mentor their children and guide them in the right steps. So that's very important. I didn't really have that growing up. And, you know, it led to uh, a path of destruction for me as a, as a young person and experiencing the things that I've done in the past because of that. And I didn't have someone really to teach me, you know, the, the principles and 
moral values and biblical teachings of the Bible. Uh, my mom did her best, and yeah. you know, God bless her for that. Well, you're, and now you're, it's like you're a father, this powerhouse kids ministry you have. And also, ladies and gentlemen, he's the associate pastor of Promise Ministries International in Queens. Now that's, isn't that a, is it a, a Korean church? It's a Korean American church. Yeah. This is so ironic that God would then eventually, you know, use me on the outside after I, I completed my time and become a, a New York state chaplain. My friends are law enforcement officers. I work <laughs> with the police uh, police academy and educating our community and how to work with the police and how the and for the police to work with our community hand in hand and and build a relationship a stronger relationship and it's it's, it's just crazy that God would use me for that when I was running from the police <laughs> and now my friends are law enforcement officers again uh, supreme court judges that contact me and, and I go to their homes and they support my ministry. And then God plants me in a Korean American church to work on behalf of children and youth oh, wow. to guide them in the right steps. Because it reminds me of the story of Joseph in the old Testament. Now he was, you know, uh, wrongly, uh, uh, uh convicted, uh, because he didn't do anything and he was accused, you know, um, and, and eventually sent to prison, but God would turn that around and use Joseph to be the governor of all of Egypt and, you know, and, and use it for good to save a nation, the yes. nation of, of Israel. And so God would then turn my life story around a guy that was, you know, spewing drugs out into society and destroying lives. Then God would use me in a position now uh, to have this platform to write a book and to be a pastor and to speak to children and youth and to now be a restorer of communities and nations and i've been to over 50 countries oh. training world leaders yes uh on the importance of children and youth and reaching them so that the world or the world structure and secularism and and all these isms right yes that they don't reach them with these vices and distort their thinking and and lead them down to a path of destruction and oh so my word i'm a spokesperson for god you are do you, do you speak would, korean yeah. A little bit, a little bit. salutations. Yeah, yeah salutations okay. Only, yeah. Look how God is using you, ladies and gentlemen. And you get his book, of course, and you Kindle or um, uh, can you go to um, HermanMendoza.com? Yeah, HermanMendoza.com. They can go to Barnes & Noble, um, you know, Amazon, or okay. wherever oh, books are sold. All the, any, any good, books good. are sold because you've got to yeah. get this Shifting Shadows book, ladies and gentlemen. Now, look at what I'm excited about also, because there's going to be people wanting you to speak. Do you go, can, can people get a hold of you to go and have you speak different places, at different churches oh, yeah, or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, de definitely. They can look me up, you know, at HermanMendoza.com. There's an uh, inquiry uh, uh, page there that they can inquire uh, for me to speak at their church or their organization or yeah. university or college, you know, or yeah. uh, uh, high school, junior high school, you can reach me there. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Because you need to get, I mean, you've been in 50 countries, but man, you need to be in every 50 counties in the, in the United States. And um, yes. so, Herman, real quick, and I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you when we were going, but so now you, you're out of prison and you're you're back on the straight and narrow and God is using you. It's, it's amazing how people don't realize the depths that God can go down and pick us up out of the you can't go far enough down that he can't bring you back up. Exactly. That's a very good point. You know, you know, because people right now in America and around the world, they're, they're broken. Uh, they're going through economic strives. They, they are 
perhaps have a, a son or a daughter or a loved one uh, that's you know dealing with some kind of addiction yes uh, or addictions you know whether it be drugs or pornography whatever it may be God can can you know save a life you know it took a prayer uh, that God you know took a hold of my heart. Um, and again, who would ever imagine that someone so extreme as myself that was involved with the cartel that God would use now for such a time as this, right? Yes. That I would now be, you know, instrumental to bring about peace in America, to bring about a message of solidarity. I, I've been to the UN. I've done International Day of Prayer. I've, I've spoken at, you know, Ivy League University. Uh, I've been with you know, ambassadors. This is only God. It you is. know, it reminds me of the scripture where it says that God will, he takes the foolishness of this world to confine the wise. Yes. You know, and, and, and for many, the cross may f- seem foolishness, right? Yes. But is the, just... is the power, power unto God for, you know, for addictions. It can be in any level of whatever situation you may be going through a marital problem. God can bring restoration like he did with, with my marriage. Uh, he brought my wife and I back together. We're together. Uh, she, I led her to the Lord. She's serving Christ. We live together. My kids are doing well. Oh, my brothers are all saved. God is good. Amen. So let, us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, just for this platform. Thank you for Brad and this ministry. Uh, thank you for uh, all the listeners uh, that are listening uh, through this uh, podcast. We pray, God, that you would uh, just take a hold of the hearts now that are broken, that need of you, Lord Jesus, that need restoration, that need peace. Lord, that peace that surpasses all understanding, you have filled me with your love, God, and you can fill uh, these folks, oh God, with your love that are broken at this hour, God. Bring them uh, to a place of clarity. Lord, uh, restore marriages right now, God. Lord, look what's happening in in, uh, San Antonio. Look what's happening in Texas. Look what's happening across America. We pray, God, for peace. Lord, your word says in in the chapter of John, uh, um, chapter 17 of the book of John, Lord, that your prayer was, Father, make them one. Lord, so that people can come together as one. It is only possible through your son, Jesus Christ. There is no other way that you can bring people together. The only way is through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Herman Mendoza, God bless you, sir. Thank you for coming on the program today. And we look forward to seeing you and hearing from you again. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining me and my guest today on Hope for Heroes, Bernie. Thank you for giving. Thank you for supporting our first responders. As you give, we get to keep bringing them to this beautiful town of Bernie. So we want to thank you for being with us today on Hope for Heroes, Bernie.